This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hey there, thanks so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I get to bring you every week the founders, the farmers, the innovators, the investors, all that are impacting the future of the agriculture industry. It is a fun ride, and I'm so glad that you're on the journey with me here. The guest we have on today is Aiden Connolly. That name may sound familiar to those of you who've been with me for about 100 episodes or so, but he was on the show back in episode 67 talking about disruptive ag technologies. Uh, since that time, he left the company he was with for 28, I believe, years, Alltech, and has started his own uh, agritech capital, which is investment advisory services for ag tech startups. And uh, that happened relatively recently, but since then, he's already written a book, 2143, um, and which we're going to talk about a little bit on the show, and become the CEO of Cantus, a very exciting ag tech startup that's working in the arena of computer vision for animal agriculture, being able to collect and analyze data in real time for animal agriculture producers. So he, there's no shortage of things to talk about that have happened since our last episode. I really enjoyed this chat. I know you will too. Here is my interview with Aiden Connolly. Aiden Connolly, CEO of Cantus. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Second time, uh, second time visitor. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I need to. I need to start off by thanking you because when you were on the show back in episode 67, that would have been. Uh, over a year and a half ago now, uh, you had talked about disruptive ag technologies and got me really intrigued specifically about blockchain. And, and that kind of led me down a blockchain rabbit hole that, that culminated in a, a blockchain series on this show and ended up uh, attracting a lot of new listeners as a result. So thank you. Yeah, I, I think these are topics that we are all probably not even realizing we're seeing the words in the press. And I know I've had the same reaction on CRISPR. I use the word CRISPR um, internally uh, in, in the agricultural industry. And people, a lot of people actually weren't familiar with it. And then once you use the word, then they said, hey, I just saw another article, another article, another article. So blockchain certainly in that category. And, and there are other technologies coming down the pike, which similarly, I think uh, we all need to be very aware of. Great. Well, I want to talk about some of those technologies, but but catch us up. Since you were on the show uh, over a year and a half ago, some things have probably changed on your end. Uh, so catch us up on kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, I uh, when I met you or, or when we spoke last, I was Chief Innovation Officer with Alltech. Um, I hadn't been there that long, only 28 years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I made the decision because I was really excited by ag tech. Also remembering that uh, the company Alltech grew while I was there from, uh, I was obviously under Dr. Lyons, the founder, and we grew from 25 million to um, 24, 25 million to almost two, two, two and a half billion uh, in that time period, in those, uh, in those short 28 years. Um, he, unfortunately, Dr. Lyons passed away last year, and I guess I took that moment to reflect on my life and think I really enjoyed that phase at the beginning of the company where we were starting out. When we're trying everything, making lots of mistakes, 
uh, trying to change the world and thought maybe the opportunity to get involved in ag tech would be the chance to go back to that, go back to the future, go back to the start and to regain some of that, uh, some of that energy, but, but, but also some of the fun of being in that situation. And so what did that, uh, how did that look for you then when you decided to make that move? Initially, I set up an advisory uh, investment group called Agritech Capital out of North Carolina. And that led me to work with, um, well, I'm working with about seven seven or eight companies now, uh, both as an investor, but more importantly, as an advisor. And uh, they're involved in all types of different technologies within the food business. Um, all types of business, should I say. And then from that, then I was offered the position uh, in February as Chief Executive Officer, CEO of a company called Cantus. So Cantus is spelt um, C-A-I-N-T-H-U-S. Cantus, as some of your Greek scholars on the show would know, means the corner of your eye. And they came up with the idea of putting an AI in the middle of the uh, the eye of the Cantus, so the so the name became Cantus. So exciting company. They are involved in uh, the recognition systems for cows. Uh, I've been told by our scientists and our engineers not to call it facial recognition. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, that's uh, when I'm on an elevator or I'm in an airplane, that's what people remember when you say it. They say, oh, you mean facial recognition of cows. Huh. So no, it's not facial recognition. It's full body recognition. But once you recognize that cow, you can observe her drinking and eating, and then you can make um, estimations as to how much time she spent standing. And obviously, that allows us to manage uh, both uh, the health of the cow, uh, but also productivity, because then you, know, then you can make estimations about um, how much feed she's eating to produce how much milk, et cetera. So uh, really, actually, transformational technology, you don't need to wear it. You can just use very simple security cameras. So we're, we're um, it, it's it's an exciting time for me. I mean, the last two months certainly, it, almost whatever three months now, certainly have been uh, been starting to see things I never saw before. And you you said that the tech team doesn't like when you say facial recognition, and is that because it recognizes the entire body? Is that right? Yeah. So the the, the face of the cow is only the face of the cow, and we are looking at the markings on the cow. We're looking at the size of the cow, the way she stands, the shadows. Uh, you know, all these things are important. Uh, facial recognition, of course, for many of us has uh, both a positive sense, such as when you can get through an airport faster, but a bit, kind of a big brother feel to it as well of, you know, who's watching us, et cetera. But it, it's more correct to say, even some people call it machine vision, but machine vision really works primarily in factories. Um, and although people describe agriculture as an industry, uh, of course, it's not really an industry in the sense that we have, we're dealing with massive numbers of variables. We're dealing with weather, we're dealing with dust, uh, in some cases we're dealing with floods, we're dealing with lightning strikes, and uh, even on a couple of occasions in, um, in other parts of the world, I've realized we're dealing with rodents as well. So, mm. so it's not, we're not dealing with a cookie-cutter approach to, to life when we're trying to produce milk, meat, and eggs, or indeed any crops. We're dealing with a lot of things that factories don't deal with. So I think computer vision, uh, digitizing the photographs or images of animals and then using that to recognize them and then obviously observing their behavior, 
um, applications within within dairy cows is what we're focused on, but it could be used in all sorts of different animals. And at this point, is Cantus uh, focused primarily on dairy? It is. It is. We we have a very large valuation. I won't tell you how much, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's north of uh, of a hundred million. And it, the the reality of um, of that type of company is that we have to focus in the initial stages to be crystal clear as to what we are trying to achieve. And unfortunately, with a lot of technologies and a lot of technology people, it's a bit like being the kid in the candy store. It seems as though you can, you can do anything. Hmm. And we probably can do anything. Um, it is certainly possible to observe, for argument's sake, sow behavior and see how they interact with the weaning pigs. It could be possible to look at turkeys and see, do they have issues with legs or are they, uh, are they brooding too much or too little? Uh, what could you do with respect to broiler breeders? So you, you just, you know, you can see so many different applications for it. But of course, businesses are built on, on business. A lot of startups struggle with that idea that they have to focus. Um, so we're, our focus is very crystal clear. We're focused on the United States. We're focused on dairy cows. We're focused on, um, on that business. And then based on that success, then obviously a lot of things can happen. But we've got to get that one right first. Yeah, I, I saw a, a really fascinating talk by David Hunt, the uh, chief strategy officer at Cantus, um, that he gave. I believe it was in Thailand, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, we'll link that in the show notes, too, so they can get a, a little bit of better picture um, on him. I'm, I'm curious, from the dairy perspective, you mentioned that markings is a part, of, you know, one data point that's used in this recognition. So does that mean, does it work better with, with uh, Holsteins than it does Jersey cows? Um, you, you, you know, bo both of them are relatively easy to do. Um, he, he says he never having actually had to write an algorithm for this, <laughs> but, uh, imagining that, uh, that I was a data scientist and that I was very, uh, outstanding at AI. Uh, I mean, artificial intelligence, not, not, not insemination. <laughs> Could um, mean either one in this, in this episode. <laughs> yeah, in this context. Exactly. So in, in, in that situation, um, it's not a question of of, of uh, the challenges of Jersey versus versus Holstein or any other you know Montbelliard cows or any other genetics. It really is about the fact that you've got to get the system working in one area, and the complexity of it can't be underestimated. Despite the fact I'm talking about simplicity, mm -hmm. you know we we will spend tens of millions of dollars to develop this system. We will require millions of data points. We will require somebody to go through and annotate each one of those pictures to help us understand that this is a cow and help the system recognize a cow versus something which is not a cow. Um, so th that, that complexity is obviously reduced the more focused you become. And our key focus at this stage undoubtedly is going to be on black and white cows just because you can't do everything. Uh, but the move to, to Jersey is, is, is an immediate one. The move to beef cattle, of course, naturally enough, is not an immediate one. Um, the same technology can be used, but will require it being reconstructed. Our, our, our understanding at the moment is the further we get into this, the stronger the platform is, the multi-species uh, from then uh, to move from one species to another will get easier and easier. Um, and of course, that becomes cumulative as it moves along. 
but but there is no question that um that 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 singular focus that, that I mentioned of is, is is really we think what we're going to have to do now. Yeah, and I would think the move to other species would require probably a lot more sensors. Whereas a, a dairy cow is always going to go to the same place every day, twice a day, to get milked. Uh, whereas a, be- a you know a beef cattle may may not. So you may need to have it if you're in a feedlot, as an example, have it everywhere around the feedlot. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, well, feedlots clearly. Uh, more complex um but but animals are creatures of behavior and 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 you see that again in all species clearly confined animals are a lot easier to do mm-hmm. um if if you have if you have all your 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 hogs in a pen and there's only 30 of them and they're they've got you know a couple of options in terms of troughs then you know where they're going to go to eat um, that said, clearly to be able to dif- differentiate between one pig and another is not that easy, given that they're, they start out pink and they don't always end up pink, uh, depending on what sort of dust levels you've got in the mm-hmm. environment. So it's, um, and then you have your challenges of even of cameras. How do you keep them clean? Right. We're talking, talking through using cameras for specialist applications and how likely is it? that you get mud or dust or, or, or moisture on the, on the lens. Well, of course, it's very likely in a, in, 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 in a farm. So we're, we're excited by what we can do. We think it's the, it's, it's the killing application because when you look at sensors, we've just so far really struggled to make them work effectively in farms consistently. And I think a lot of it, again, comes down to the the aggressive nature of the farm environment. Um, if you're putting a sensor around the neck of a, a beef cow, uh, what's the chances that she'll knock it off? What's the chances that she'll, or he, or he will, uh, will cause it, cause it issues um, mm. uh, by, 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 by movement, etc. How accurate are they? We, we, we seem to continuously find uh, the, these technologies are overpromising and underdelivering, and, and, and that's why we think that the. The less invasive the technology is, specifically in the case of cameras, the more likely it is we'll find ways to do it properly. So if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a dairy farmer and, and in the past what's happened is I have put out, I knew X number of, of tons of feed for X number of cows and I figure on average they're eating that amount of feed. And uh, now with, with Cantus, I've, I've got this technology that tells me down to the cow a lot more about their behavior uh, you know, if I've got a thousand cows, what's that look like from a user experience standpoint? Oh, it's, 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 it's game changing. So today you walk onto a farm and you'll tell me that there are 400 cows in the pen and I'll say, are you sure? And you'll say, well, yeah, I guess so. Well, you know, did, were three cows removed this morning? One cow added in the afternoon. Hmm. Um, it's amazing to find out that, that when you get into larger farms, you might have a cow missing or you might have an extra cow that you didn't actually count on. And that shouldn't be a big deal. So, okay, so there's 400 cows in one pen, there's 401 in another and 398 in the next. But if you start trying to evaluate how much feed you should be feeding, in theory, that's, that, 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 that's okay. Maybe it's a rounding error, but it's still, a, it's still an error in calculating how much feed you're, you're giving them. Clearly, we have seen through our cameras big differences in terms of where cows eat, how they eat, when they eat. Uh, bullying is something that was mentioned. I know you might have seen, but Cantus had a, a big report in the New Yorker, not usually a place where you expect to see discussion about agriculture. Right. 
But right. nonetheless, um, they were particularly fascinated by the fact that um, amongst all these cows, certain cows are bullied and they come out at night to eat. And that is behavior that we all understand. But mm. if you're trying to manage 400 cows in a pen and you've got 5,000 cows in your dairy, you know, do you have the time to recognize the ones that maybe are not feeding in a regular manner because they're not happy with their with their with their, their, their mates around them? So, uh, in that situation, um, we have the ability perhaps to segment cows and put them into pens where you have uh, all the bullies in one pen and all the non-bullies in another. You have the potential to focus perhaps on those that um, are similar, not in terms of just milk production, but maybe in terms of feed consumption. Uh, maybe we should be selecting cows not based on the ones that produce the most milk, but also the ones that produce the most milk efficiently uh, compared to the expensive feed that we've got to purchase. Um, and then you, one of the interesting observations, one of the farms, and nobody on this call who knows anything about dairy would be surprised by this, but we noticed some of the cows going over to drink and drinking for what looked like about three seconds and then, then not drinking. So uh, went over to, 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 the, to the drinker to try to uh, see what was happening, tested the water. Nothing within the water seemed to indicate there was anything wrong with the water, except uh, we did detect stray voltage at a low enough level that humans couldn't detect it, but you couldn't feel it, but, you, uh, but the cows clearly could. Hmm. So in effect, once we fixed that, those cows drank that trough three times in a row, completely dry, and milk production went up about two pounds on the farm. Uh, they had uh, 220 or 250 cows. So, so those are the sorts of things that in the past, maybe when we were managing 30, 40, 50 cows, you had the time to see. We don't have the time to do it when we're trying to do the job we're trying to do. Uh, and of course, the milk, the milk prices haven't been great. It's been harder and harder to find labor on farm, quality labor. Um, so all those factors don't help us. And the, I think that's why this technology is transformational. It's the sort of thing that can allow us to do not just what we did in the past, observing cows 12, 14 hours a day, but to actually do it 24 hours a day. And if there is a problem such as a cow only drinking for three seconds or, or maybe, you know, a cow uh, eating at night because theoretically it's getting sort of bullied during the day, um, will that pop up as an alert on a dairy, uh, dairy farm manager's cell phone or what's that look like? Yes. Yeah, so um, the API, the, the, the interface that you have is, uh, is uh, on the telephone that gives you alerts. At this stage, the main focus we have is eating, drinking behavior. So how much is being eaten, how much is being drunk, uh, which of course can be an early indicator. Uh, then we're focused on movement of the cows. Um, the pieces that I'm describing are more the things that you see when you get the chance to look at footage. So now you know you've got a problem with a cow or you know you've got a problem with a pen, and then you physically go back to look at that footage yourself. Um, the intent would be to digitize that and put that into an AI system, but I'm not going to pretend we're doing that today. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, we'll just say that's generation two. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm sure after, you, you know, uh, leaving Alltech and, st and starting Agritech Capital, you probably had a lot of opportunities to do, uh, you know, to work on projects like this. And, and obviously, Agtech is extremely broad and kind of could have gone into any aspect of it. Uh, what made you choose this opportunity, this technology versus other potential opportunities that could, I'm sure, take up all your time? Well, um, 
we, we have had a lot of success in seeing the application of yeasts and probiotics and enzymes in animal agriculture. And I guess uh, with Dr. Lyons as the leader of Alltech and certainly as my mentor, um, I was very excited to see him change the world. Sometimes it felt like it took a long time. <laughs> People would say, oh, you know, you know you've had an overnight success. And he'd say, yeah, an overnight success that took me 38, 30 years to, to get going. <laughs> yeah. But um, despite that, we, 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 to build a $2.5 billion company is very, very impressive within your own lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, especially in agriculture. Today in the agricultural field, if we take all of the ag tech startups, um, I would say, and I'm not good, don't ask me to name them, but, but there haven't been five unicorns. By unicorn, I mean a company with a valuation of a billion dollars. And so we haven't had five companies in ag tech, even including your CRISPRs, et cetera, that have reached that billion dollar valuation. And this technology has the ability to go there. This has the ability to reach that billion dollar valuation because it can create tens of billions of dollars of value for producers and farmers all over the world. And when I thought about everything I wanted to do, uh, I liked the idea of being CEO because it gives me the chance to take my own decisions, be my own boss. Um, I'm working with a team of 45 people, which is obviously a lot smaller than, than the corporation I came out of, but still um, I'm responsible for what's going to happen next. Now that brings its own risks, uh, of course. Um, if it fails, it fails. Um, and most startups do fail, as we know. Uh, to high, high, high degree, uh, 99 out of 100 who start will fail. Certainly at the, at the stage we're at, it's obviously a re- re- relatively smaller percentage, but it still exists as a possibility. But I was ready for that in this stage of my life. I felt I had the knowledge, the contacts, uh, the ability to help them and be successful. I'm looking forward to and have looked forward to interacting directly with farmers to understand how to make this technology work. So, you know, it just feels like the right thing to do at this stage. Um, I'm really interested in helping other companies and consulting and advising, and I'm sure I'll continue to do that through the Agritech Capital. But um, my, my main focus, the thing I really want to get done is to see, to give Cantus the best chance of being one of those five unicorns. And I know you you mentioned there about your experience in building Alltech with Dr. Lyons, um, and and I'm sure a lot of those experiences informed your new book that you just you've just published called Two One Four Three, Plan Your Explosive Business Growth. And tell us about kind of what what prompted you to to write that book and what you hope people get from it. Yeah, so so obviously. <laughs> I would never be, I hope, to come across as arrogant and suggest that I'm the only person in all tech that helped to be successful. Uh, Dr. Lyons was clearly the, the, the number one, um, and he had built a team around him of very, very good people, and I, I was one of those people. Uh, Chief Innovation Officer gave me access to innovation, but above all else, to working with him in uh, companies all over the world, customers we worked with. But I did get asked when I went to see, and I had, as you know from our last discussion, uh, a lot of customers in China, Brazil, South Africa, uh, different parts of Europe, and of course, North America, as they're constantly being asked, can you tell us what the secret sauce of Alltech is? Can you tell us what makes Dr. Line successful and Alltech successful? How would I build a company like that? And that in particular came across when we started working with startups. And I was trying to codify or bring it together because 
Uh, Dr. Lyons absolutely hated business planning. <laughs> he, uh, every time there was a business plan to be written, I think he'd like to tear it up and tell you how it wasn't good enough, wasn't big enough, we needed, need to go faster and think of something bigger. But he really appreciated 2143, which is a process we had engaged in over the last 20 years as part of the putting the bones on, right? Now we've got the big ideas. How do we get it done? So I wrote the book about four years ago. Um, it sat in my briefcase as I carried and traveled around the world for those four years. And then uh, the beginning of last year, 2017, said, this is the year I've got to get this done. Now, what had happened in those intervening four years was instead of just working with it in all tech contexts with people like Ridley's and Hubbard and Keenan's and the ECO2 group out of the UK or any of the divisions of all tech in 140 countries, I started using it with startups. I started using it with friends of mine. I started using it with institutions. I started using it with you know, a, a whole host of different types of companies, and it was working every time. And by working, I mean somebody who's growing by 5% a year, 2% a year, 8% a year. We were achieving growth rates of 30% a year, 40% a year, 50% a year. Hmm. So that's pretty exciting um, when you start to feel that something that you thought was very specific to a company is actually universal. And that encouraged me to get the book finished, uh, to get it published on, it's available on Amazon. Uh, to launch at the Harvard uh, Business, uh, sorry, the Harvard Club in New York, um, a, about a month ago. Uh, there, there have been launches now in 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 uh, Dublin and also in Lexington, Kentucky. We've got one upcoming in Singapore, and I've got one coming up uh, in conjunction with the Warren Buffett meeting at Omaha. So, it it just um, it's it's like you've got this in your head. You are not sure that it's worth publishing. And then as you start to use it with everybody else, you realize, you know what, this, need, this deserves to get out there and I need to get this done. That's fantastic. And, I, and obviously, we want to send everyone to Amazon to pick up the book. But uh, could you just tell us briefly maybe a teaser of, of the significance of the numbers 2143? Sure. So uh, anybody, whether they're on a farm, whether they're in an agribusiness, food business, any business, they're going to start by writing their, their plan for the following period of time, let's call it next year, for 2020, 19 or 20, you say, I'm going to start by thinking about where I came from. So I call that the history, number one. Then where I am today, I'm calling that the today is number two. Then what road am I on, number three, and where destination I'm going to reach, number four. What I'm saying is you need to reverse that logic. You need to start by focusing on where you are today and make it as honest and uncomfortable as you can be in terms of evaluating what your business really is today. Then I would like you to focus at the hist on the history, but keep that discussion short. Only think about where you came from. This is a real problem in agriculture. We love to talk about his the history of our farm or agribusiness, thinking back 30, 40 years most of which is not relevant to what we're going to do next. So only think about the part, the historic part, the where we came from part, with respect to what, what, why it's relevant to what we're going to do next. And then reversing, not what road are we on, where are we going to get to. Think about where you want to get to and choose the road based on that destination. Again, it might seem obvious, but most people don't do it. It's like, what's your, what's your plan for this year? I'm going to grow by 10%. Okay, where's it going to take you to? 10% more business. 
And, and it's, it's instead of saying, I want to achieve this breakthrough, I want to have a new customer, I want to go to a new geography, I want to try out selling this new product, I want to engage a new agency with a new company, I want to consider hiring three young people to go online and do, do online business. Whatever your big venture is, and then look back at what roads you'd have to take to achieve that. Um, and and that's, that's the real essence of it. I mean, I obviously learned a lot of these techniques in my 28 years in all tech and tried to put them all together in one book. But the, the reversal of that way of planning, both history, sorry, where we are now before history and where you want to go to before choosing the road, both of those are transformative in an era where you need transformative planning. Excellent. And, and were you able to share kind of some specific examples from Alltech in the book? Yeah. So there are about uh, 40 case studies or caselets, I'd call them, because they're really short. And they're all about a page to two pages long. I'd say half of them are from Alltech and half of them are from outside of Alltech. Um, Alltech clearly, you know, even I described one, uh, one territory I was responsible for where it had not been growing. We um, had achieved somewhere between minus five and plus five percent uh, change in sales on, on on a four to five year period, and when we started engaging the two one four three process, we took that region of the world up fourfold. So uh, we grew by an average of twenty eight and a half percent per year for the next six years. Hmm. So it's um, it's it, it's it's examples of that from all tech, and then there's an example of a bakery that we we worked with. The bakery had a uh, business that has increased fivefold in the last four years. Um, it's a traditional bakery, 150 years old. It's uh, in a city. They're making craft bread. You would not have seen the potential for that craft bread to do anything more than grow by maybe 5 or 10% a year. And as I've mentioned, they're growing by 30 to 30 to 40% a year. So wow. lots of practical examples of what, how changing your thinking changes your business. Two one four three. Well, as as if uh, growing a unicorn and and promoting a book wasn't enough, you're you are still the president of Agritech Capital. Uh, tell us about you know if somebody's listening and and they think uh, they might be able to use some of these advisory services. Tell us about kind of who the right person is to reach out uh, concerning Agritech Capital. Yeah, well, probably like yourself, I suffer from the problem that <laughs> I really enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm very energized by opportunities, um, maybe take on too much, maybe uh, try to fill too much into a day. But, you know, that's, that's the nature of who you are and how you're wired. Um, I pretty much will try to find every day at some time in the day to talk to somebody who's starting a business. And today I spoke to a business out of Germany. Yesterday it was one out of the Netherlands, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, obviously, uh, from anywhere in the world, they're mainly US-based, but it, they're not necessarily. And sometimes they're looking for advice on investment. Sometimes they're looking for advice on how to run their business. Sometimes they're thinking pros, their thought process is, what do I need to do to uh, find the right people or walk through the right door? So it, it's a very broadly based concept for me. I mentioned the eight companies that I'm working with. They're food, food and agribusiness. And um, we have stakeholdings in almost all of those companies. Some of them uh, have been where we put in money. Many of them has primarily been advice. Uh, but if anybody wants to talk to me, I always try to find the time to do so. 
sometimes there aren't enough hours in the day to do everything. So I apologize if I, if I don't, but I, I've got a very active LinkedIn page and I just published an article on uh, how ag tech might transform Africa. I was trying to say, because I was there in Zambia in September, if you think about Africa and you think of the challenges of no roads, could we solve that with drones? Of poor banking systems for small farmers, could we solve that with blockchain? Of um, problems of getting parts for your tractor or for your piece of equipment, could you solve that with 3D printing? It, it's that sort of thing that I'm trying to constantly stimulate startups, even if I don't get you know, personally involved in them themselves, myself, that they're thinking about how we can help feed this world, feed this planet better, more sustainably, and embrace a lot of the technologies that are out there. Does some of the the uh, investment interest in, in ag tech currently, does that concern you at all? We've been talking on this show a little bit about, you know, are, are we trying to force some companies that aren't going to be unicorns into a VC model? Uh, is, there, is there a little bit, and, and I, I certainly wouldn't go so far as to say a bubble, but, but maybe a, a bit of an overhype among uh, investment in, in ag tech companies? Um, I can see why you would say that. And... We, 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 we all look at the glass and think, is it half empty or half full? Mm -hmm. there, there is a challenge that we seem to have a lot of VC money chasing very few startups. The VCs, conversely, will tell you that the investment in ag tech is still a fraction of what it should be based on other sectors. Mm. I, th I think our biggest challenge at the moment is quality startups. I don't know if there are plenty of people out there with ideas. Maybe many of your listeners are comfortable uh, because they're running a farm that generates a lot of income. Um, they're generating an agribusiness that gives them a steady, a steady future. They're thinking about their 401k. They're thinking about you know, their kids going to college. Why would I take a risk? And obviously, I'm starting out again, at, in, you know, just, just having turned 50. Um, I'm starting out again in the startup, and I feel empowered by that because I think a lot of that's behind me, and I, I'm ready to go for it. Um, how many others are like me or many would say, oh, getting towards 50, maybe I should be thinking about golf courses in Florida. <laughs> so um, that, that depends. And I wouldn't criticize anybody for doing it. But if you ask people what her biggest problem challenge is, they would say we need more innovation. We need more companies coming through. The money is there to support them. Mm. Is it a bubble? Um, are the valuations a bubble? I don't think they are based on the bubbles that you see in other businesses. <laughs> right. That's a bad way of saying we're not, we're not any more of a bubble than anybody else is. If anything, we're less of a bubble. Um, clearly, some of these technologies have huge, huge opportunities. Uh, the challenge that we're finding of companies are coming up with ideas that are not involved in agriculture, but trying to get into agriculture, is they don't understand the, the specifics of our business. Caintus uh, mm. has been very lucky that we've been formed by three people who basically came from farming backgrounds. So we, ha we are a, a farmer company built by farmers. And I like to see that even if the companies that you're looking at working for, investing in, or even building yourself, um, they have to have that ag connection, I believe. It doesn't have to be, everybody has to be from ag, but some of the people within the company need to really understand the business. But it, it, it's coming, Tim, and I think it is... Um, it's high time. We see more technology coming. Um, some of the valuations are crazy, but, um, but you know, that's the nature of the world we're living in at the moment. Aiden, thank you so much. In the midst of everything you got going on, I really appreciate you taking some time out 
today. I I, uh, I think I could do probably a full Aiden Connolly series on this podcast because we have so much more we could talk about, but we'll just have to bring you back on the show again and, and talk more about uh, what you've got going on then. No, I appreciate it, Jim, but you know the way things are. Sometimes small doses are better than larger doses <laughs> for all of us. I, I think some of my podcast listeners would say that about me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what my kids tell me. So, <laughs> but uh, I really, I really enjoyed the last time. Enjoyed this, and uh, feel free to give me a call anytime. Thank you once again to Aiden Connolly for being on the show. I hope you'll go to Amazon.com right now and go pick up his book, 2143 by Aiden Connolly. I picked up my copy, so anyway, would love to compare notes on getting explosive business growth from that book. Also, I want to give just a special shout out right now to Michael Scadden. Uh, he's been a longtime listener of the show, huge supporter. He's been working on a project uh, of his own down in Puerto Rico and trying to facilitate some content for the show down there. And I just want to give him special recognition for his continued support and efforts, uh, what he's doing down there. So thank you, Michael. Had to give you a shout out here. Thank you to all of you who listen to the show every week. I do really, really value your time and your attention, and I respect your curiosity and desire to be part of the solution and not part of the problem when it comes to uh, feeding the world. So thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week. Next week.